Hello, and welcome to Asia Abridged, the podcast where we present the best of Asia society programs in 15 minutes or less. I'm Matt Schiavenza. In today's episode, we hear from the legendary broadcast journalist Leslie Stahl. Stahl is best known for being a correspondent on 60 Minutes, where she's worked since 1992. Last month, during a conversation with Asia Society President Josette Sheeran, Stahl recounted her first visit to China in 1974. I went there at the height of the Cultural Revolution. There were women's voices screeching in the streets 24 hours a day. And what I was told they were screeching, they were reading the Little Red Book. They were reading statements from the Little Red Book, round the clock. We met a man who was our guide. They didn't have any tourism. So they found this French speaker and made him our guide. And uh, thank goodness my brother spoke French. But we, be- we got very close to him. And one day he burst into tears and told us in French that they had taken his two sons away from him and, as he said, flung them across the country and made them work at a work camp or a farm. And he was hoping they were going to be doctors and lawyers and whatever. It was heartbreaking. Uh, But the story that I told Josette that I want to tell you was that my father went on a business trip. He made leather colors. And at that time, he was the only uh, maker of uh, colors for pig hide. And China didn't have cattle, but they had a lot of pigs. So Mao Zedong had declared that in the next five-year plan, they were going to develop an a shoe industry out of hush puppies. We call them hush puppies, out of pig hide. And they needed colors. And so they invited my father over in 1974 uh, to present, make a presentation, so that he could sell his finish all over the country of China. My father loved it. Every country he'd ever been in, uh, except the Soviet Union, he had to go to every single separate factory. In China, you just spoke to a group of people, and then you could sell to the entire country. So he goes to these meetings, and there's a table filled with people. He's, he's making his pitch, and they're all dressed exactly alike. They all have the same haircut. Everything about them is identical. He couldn't decide whose face to look at. And by the way, there were people from all over the country, and they have, at, at that point in 74, so many different languages that almost every person had his own interpreter. So whatever (laughs) (laughs) was being said um, had to be interpreted into Mandarin and then into English from my father. He's really struggling because he always knew who to direct his conversation to. But he had these meetings over five days, and he figured out by what they were wearing who the boss was and who the underling was. For example, a watch, that was the boss. Mm -hmm. Leather shoes was the boss. And he figured out there was absolutely a hierarchy, as there is in any society, and he figured out. But uh, the story was that they did buy my father's finish. They call it finish. Um, But they would only give him, I think it was a seven-year contract, which was the biggest sale he ever made in his whole life but only seven years, after which he had to agree to give them the formula. 
And in the interim, they had to teach them how to do it. They had to send people and teach them, not only give them the form, but teach them how to make it. And uh, that was the way they were operating back then. They were taking our, all our technology. And in my father's case, they bought it. And, you know, using it by forcing American, giving American businessmen or European contracts that was so irresistible mm. that they, you, they were giving our technology away. They took us to a, a, a farm, and there was a giant shed they took us into, enormous shed. And on one side of the shed, there was a tractor. And on the other side of the shed, the, another identical tractor, bought or stolen somewhere from the West, every single part was laid out. They had taken the tractor apart, piece by piece by piece. And they were making identical parts by hand, and they were going to build themselves a second tractor. And then they were going to build themselves a third tractor. And that was how they got mm -hmm. their technology. The idea that they would take Western technology in any way they could get it was Mao Zedong. Stahl's trip with her father in 74 would be the first of many to China, where, as a journalist, she had a front row seat to many of the changes that would sweep the country and the people who made it happen. One such person is Zhang Xin, a charismatic real estate developer and one of China's wealthiest women, who is also an Asia Society trustee. Stahl explained how Zhang Xin's experience in China is a useful lens for viewing the recent changes in the country. Xin is remarkable. She mm -hmm. is just a stunning example of a, of a person who has so much resilience and pow forcefulness um, that she came out of nowhere. And she mm -hmm. told me a story when I did my piece of somehow getting herself to England to go to university and not knowing a single person. She thought her English was terrific. She'd been in Hong Kong, but she was having trouble understanding anybody. She sat down on, on the curb. I think, I think she was going to Oxford, and, but she wasn't going. She, she was around that university and just cried and cried. And somehow she got into the university and yeah. just rose and rose and rose. When I did my story, in Beijing, uh, she and her husband were huge celebrities. They were running this giant uh, real estate company, building enormous skyscraper buildings, not just tall, but they were tall and wide at the same time. Uh, business enterprises and, and residential buildings. And they were blogging, and I believe tweeting, about democracy coming to China. And they were so sure that the country was opening up. And a little, I mean, to me, they were outspoken, uh, a little bit critical of the regime. And I was surprised that, she, that they could uh, go out and speak their minds about how democracy had to come to that country and not be afraid. And boom, <laughs> I mean, that was shut down real fast. And as I hear, Shin is basically living here because the country is shut down. And I've gone to China reporting over the years. And really, every single time I go, it's a different situation. They've either clamped down or they're loosening up or they're in the process of moving in the other direction. 
And ever, ever since um, 1984, it just seems to go back and forth, and it's very confusing. Thank you for listening to Asia Abridged. If you want to hear more, you can check out our show page at asiasociety.org slash podcast, and you can also subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Asia Society. Until next time, this is Matt Skiavenza. Avenza.